The Old Testament reading for our celebration of the transfiguration of our Lord comes from the book of Deuteronomy, the 34th chapter. Then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, to the top of Pisgah, which is opposite Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land, Gilead as far as Dan, all Naphtali, the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah as far as the western sea, the Negev and the plain, that is, the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees, as far as Zoar. And the Lord said to him, This is the land of which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to your offspring. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not go over there. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in the valley in the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor. But no one knows the place of his burial to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eye was undimmed and his vigor unabated. And the people of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. Then the days of weeping and mourning for Moses were ended. And Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. So the people of Israel obeyed him, and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. And there has not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. None like him, for all the signs and the wonders that the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his servants, and to all his land, and for all the mighty power and all the great deeds of terror that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. And this is the word of the Lord. Praise the Lord, all nations. For great is his steadfast love toward us. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. The epistle reading comes from the letter to the Hebrews, the third chapter. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, Consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant, to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house, if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel, which serves as the text for our sermon this morning, comes to us according to St. Luke, the ninth chapter. Now about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered, and his clothing became dazzling white. And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep. But when they became fully awake, 
they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. And as the men were parting from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. As he was saying these things, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud, saying, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent and told no one in those days anything of what they had seen. This is the gospel of our Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I know it's kind of cliche, but it seems like the good times just don't last, do they? Problems, pains, irritations, well, those always seem to stretch on forever. But when we're enjoying ourselves, the time goes by so quickly, and we wish it could last longer. A great vacation with your family always ends before you'd like it to. A good movie or a symphony is always over too soon. The joyful, carefree days of youth slip away before you know it. It seems like every time we're having fun, every time we're really enjoying ourselves, we see the end drawing near too quickly, and we wistfully think, if only it could last. And while we usually think in those terms for earthly blessings and pleasures, we often find ourselves pining in the same way with our spiritual lives as well. I would hope that for most of you, church isn't some terrible chore that you have to force yourself to do each week. I mean, we all fight with our sinful nature that tries to tell us we'd be better off sleeping in or going out for breakfast or watching cartoons in our pajamas. But for most of us, we do recognize what a blessing it is to gather together in God's presence here each and every week. And let's face it, we want to keep that. We want that feeling. We want to hold on to the glory of God by staying in the church. Because the world outside, it's hard. It challenges our faith. Our culture despises the truth of Christianity, and it despises those who believe. The devil and the world, they seek to tear us down, and anyone who dares to share the good news of Jesus Christ is their enemy. And then our own sinful flesh, it drives us to sin again and again in ways that we swore we were done with. The chaos and the turmoil, and the ridicule that we face in our lives, it makes us wonder if our faith is worth it. It makes us question God's word. It makes us think it's no good. All of it just grinds us down, frustrates us, pushes us to our breaking point, day after day after day. And that's why it's hard to be in the world. But here, we don't have to deal with all of that. Here we can let our guard down and be Christians openly. In here it's safe and it's comfortable. And so we want to stay here forever. Not literally, of course. We all hope the sermon ends at some point, myself included. But here in the church, surrounded by our brothers and sisters in Christ, we are safe. Our faith 
isn't challenged. Our morals aren't mocked. We don't have to wonder if we're going to offend someone by speaking the truth of Jesus' word, because in here, we all believe. We kind of want to keep that, don't we? We kind of cringe a little bit when we think about leaving the church and going back out into the world. We want to live this little monastic Lutheran life, surrounded by other Christians, constantly basking in the glory of Jesus Christ, never having to worry about the trials and the woes that await us outside these walls. Well, at the Transfiguration, Peter wanted to do the same. Peter and the disciples want to hold on to the glory of the transfiguration by staying up there on that mountaintop. He and James and John, they are worn out. They've kind of drifted off. It says they are heavy with sleep. And they're woken up by this radiantly glorious Jesus speaking with two superstars of the faith. The disciples recognize Moses and Elijah, even though both of them had died centuries ago, giving us this little glimpse of how we are going to know people in heaven. But that's not what's important. What's important is that here, Peter, James, and John are in the glorious presence of Jesus and Moses and Elijah. They're away from the crowds who doubt and mock and make demands, who push in on them and take of their time and their energy and their efforts. They're away from the schedule of walking from village to village, never knowing whether they're going to be welcomed or driven out, never knowing if they're going to receive this glorious thanksgiving or if they're going to be tried to kill. They're away from the other disciples and the constant one-upsmanship and bickering and disagreement. They're here, on the mountaintop, away from it all, in the glorious presence of Jesus, and they think to themselves, this is fantastic. This is great. This is better than anything else we've ever experienced. Jesus and Moses and Elijah are here, and we are with them and no one else, if only it could last. And so Peter, of course it's Peter, speaks up. And he says, Master, it is good that we are here. And by good, he means perfect. And it doesn't get any better than this. He says, let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. He wants this glorious moment to be longer than just a moment. He wants to build tents so that Moses, Elijah, and Jesus never leave. And so they don't have to either. The tents are there to keep that moment alive. So Peter, James, and John can stay in it. He wants to set up these shrines not just to to commemorate this glorious, overwhelming moment, but to make it permanent. Keep Jesus, Elijah, and Moses there in their presence and keep Peter, James, and John away from the world and with just them. Peter is saying, let's just stay here. This is great. It's quiet. We don't have to worry about the crowds. We don't have to defend our faith. 
Let's forget about all those plans to go to Jerusalem and confront people, and let's just stay here forever. Peter, James, and John find themselves thinking, if only it could last. And so they come up with a way that they think will make this moment of glory last forever. The problem is, though, it won't. If Jesus stays on the mountain, his glory is incomplete and imperfect. Because the true glory of Jesus Christ, it's not in his radiance, it's not in his power, it's not in his ability to have Moses and Elijah appear beside him for counsel and conversation. You know, what is it that Jesus, Moses, and Elijah are discussing? Well, this translation says they're talking about his departure. But the word in Greek is actually his exodus, bringing up all the imagery of Moses' exodus as well, leading God's people out of slavery, miraculously saving them from their powerful enemies, bringing them into the promised paradise that God had given to them. That's the exodus they talk about, that imagery that comes up, and that is the exodus that Jesus Christ is about to do for his people as well. And where was that going to happen? Well, they spoke of his exodus, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. You see, the true glory of Jesus Christ, it isn't on the Mount of Transfiguration, but on the hill of Golgotha. There at the cross is the glory of Jesus Christ. Now the world saw Jesus' crucifixion as the ultimate defeat and inglorious death. He who claimed to be the Messiah was dominated and ridiculed by the authorities and by the soldiers. They had their way with him. They took whatever they wanted. They slapped him. They mocked him. And he couldn't do a thing about it. Or so the world thought. He who said that he was the king of kings was nailed to a cross, a common form of execution, and lifted up between two criminals for all the world to mock. He who told others that he was God himself died a humiliating, inglorious, brutal death surrounded by common criminals and a crowd who stood there to mock and to watch, and to make sure that things went the way they wanted it to. As Jesus' lifeless body was brought down from the cross to be laid in the grave, the world and the devil cheered and mocked and jeered because they saw only death and failure. There was no glory to be seen on that place of execution. But in that death is the true glory of Jesus Christ. His death was not an accident. His death was not something that the authorities had brought about. His death was the greatest sacrifice of love ever shown as he gave himself over to death to spare sinners like us. Sinners who were his enemy. Sinners who by rights deserved eternal condemnation. Sinners who saw no need for a Savior, wanted nothing to do with Him or His grace or His forgiveness. Sinners who joyfully, gleefully took part in His execution and cheered when He died. There on the cross, 
Jesus suffered the hell that should have been ours so that we wouldn't have to. We had nothing that he needed. We had nothing to give him in return. But he willingly, gloriously, gave up his immortal life to pay the price of our iniquity, to spare his condemned creation, to redeem those who were in the slavery of the devil so that they could be his own. That's the glory of Jesus Christ. And that was accomplished in his brutal death on the cross. And on the third day, he rose from the grave so that there could be no doubt of his glory and his power. The stone was rolled back, not to let Jesus out, but so that the whole world could look in and see he is not here, but he is risen as he said. Though he died under the weight of our sin, he rose again under his own power and glory. And just as he rose, all those who look to him in faith will rise again from the grave. That's the promise of Jesus Christ. That's the glory that he has shown us. And when we lie down in the sleep of death, we sinners will rise again to holiness and perfection, eternal life in his glorious presence. And so we don't need to wish that the glory of the transfiguration would last a little bit longer because it lasts for all eternity. We will see his glory face to face. We will be in the presence of Moses and Elijah and all the saints who have gone before us in the one true faith. And that's why we need to leave the safe confines of the church and tell others. If Jesus had stayed on the mountain, his glory would not have been complete. If we stay here in the safety and the comfort and the glory of the church, well, who will tell everyone else about Jesus' glory? It's not something that we greedily try to keep to ourselves because all people need to hear of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins. All people need to see the glory of Jesus Christ as he hangs upon the cross for sinners like us and rises again to give us the guarantee of everlasting life. And while we may lament the trials and the sufferings of this world as we walk back down to the valley, they are but the blink of an eye compared to the eternal glory that Jesus Christ has won for us. And the glory of Jesus Christ It's not just his brief transfiguration. It's not just a short time when we can gather together in his presence and let down our guard and be openly Christian. The glory of Jesus Christ is eternal. And by his grace, we need not look at these brief moments of glory and sigh, ah, if only it could last. Because by grace, through faith, the eternal glory of Jesus Christ is ours. Now as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death and forever, when he carries us in his loving arms to our eternal home. And because of the glory, the real glory of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, this is not just a hope, but a guarantee. Because by the glorious cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by his glorious resurrection from the grave, you are forgiven of every one of your sins, And eternal life in heaven is yours. To God alone be all glory, now and forever. Amen.